Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of The Talent Fix. In this episode, we're going to be discussing talent development and bridging the skills gaps in today's fast-paced world. And today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Joan McNabo, a research manager at Sullis. And Joan brings a wealth of experience from her extensive career in research and data analysis spanning over two decades at Sullis. So Joan's expertise lies in uncovering the evolving trends in skills development and education, making her a pivotal figure in shaping Ireland's future workforce. Hope I've done you justice, Joan, with that (laughs) introduction. But please, if you want to just take a minute and just tell us a bit about yourself and your current role as Solace. Sure. Yes. So uh, my name is Joan Magdavo. I have been in the Skills and Labour Market Research Unit, the SLMRU, as you said, for over two decades, definitely feeling old. Um, I would have started out in the unit as a research assistant and kind of moved my way up the ranks. So I've been managing it for the last few years. Um, we're in a strange position. Solace would be the state agency overseeing further education training in Ireland. But the remit of the SLMRU would be very much looking at skills across further education, higher education. So we report directly into the National Skills Council in DeFerris. So we have a slightly different kind of reporting structure maybe than um, sure. the rest of Solace. So in the SLMRU, we produce a number of reports. And I think the main one we'll be talking about today will be information that we have in our National Skills Bulletin. But the work we do is very much about informing education training providers, skills policy, the employment permit system and career guidance. So they would be our kind of main audience um, at the moment. Brilliant. So, yeah, so let's jump right in. So, yeah, so what we want to talk about today is the National Skills Bulletin, which I think highlighted some really interesting trends and data. But if we want to talk about the trends, first of all, what key trends are you seeing today in recruitment and hiring? Well, I mean, the biggest trend is that employment is increasing. You know, at the end of 2022, we were at 2.55 million people employed, which was an increase of nearly 160,000 on the previous year. So it's one of it's the highest employment level ever. We're also seeing unemployment levels are quite low. We're, we were at four point two percent unemployment. So it was one hundred twenty thousand people mm. unemployed yeah. at the end of twenty twenty two. So yeah. it's creating a really tight labour market. So the supply of candidates, I think, for recruitment will be much lower than they would have been. We also are in the midst of inflationary measures. So for wage inflation, that there's caution, I think, for businesses. So maybe looking more for how to attract people that might be more to do with, you know, offering well-being or flexible working. So that's kind of looking beyond offering large salaries. Mm-hmm. And I suppose one of the things that we would have stressed at our event recently was about the kind of need to upskill and reskill, but we can maybe talk about that a little mm-hmm. more. Yeah. And just on the benefit side of it, because it's certainly something we're seeing employers struggle with, and that's really meeting uh, candidate expectations from a salary perspective. Do you have any views in terms of the work-life balance? Because it's certainly something we're seeing really rise to the top of the candidate agenda when it comes to moving jobs, that what they're looking for, even more so than salary in some cases, is that work-life balance, that flexibility. Has your research shown anything on that? Well, I think that's coming out of 
COVID that we saw a readjustment, I think, uh, since COVID. Um, so particularly for women, that's always been the case that we've been looking for work-life balance, but I think it's universal now. And I think the hybrid working is a funny one because there's more employers looking for people to be returning to the office more frequently. But I think there's a, a fight back. And when we're in a situation where there's where there's a battle for, for candidates, I think employers may have to concede a little bit on that because that's a key thing for people, you know, to avoid that commute, to be able to work maybe, you know, somewhere a distance, particularly with the housing issues at the moment. You know, people want to not necessarily be working, living in cities, so need to not wanting that long commute every day. Yeah, 100%. And coming back to that number of unemployed, because we often talk about, you know, 4%, as this idea of full employment. But when you put it in the context of actual individuals and when you talk about 120,000 people unemployed in Ireland, it suddenly it kind of puts a different slant on it, doesn't it? Because, I mean, when you think of those numbers, they're actually quite significant. Do you have any breakdown in terms of what's that made up of in terms of is it, is it you know, the long-term unemployed and, and what does it look like? Because that's a yeah. huge potential candidate pool, obviously, in a, in a candidate short market. Absolutely. Now, I, what I would, the main thing to keep in mind with this is that it's not static. So, you know, we see is that one of the things we study is the transitions of, you know, movement between employment, unemployment, and economic inactivity. I and mean, we had 2 million movements in 2022. So people are moving from unemployment yeah. into employment and around. You'd have a lot of students in there, but the number of people in unemployment is not static at all. So there's, you will have a very small share. I don't have the number of hand, but, yep. you know, it's max 20%, okay. you know, and everybody else is moving. It's just a short-term transitionary okay, period. Okay, so it's that churn as opposed to these people aren't sitting at home long-term. Yeah, no, 100%. Okay. And that's what's great about these numbers. It kind of, you know, it brings them to life a bit and it's great to sort of put some meaning around them as well. So, Thanks for that, Joan. And just if we can move on to maybe the sectors or the disciplines that are experiencing the most acute shortages. And then if we could talk, so the second part of that question would be if we could talk about maybe what the most in-demand skills are likely to be in the future. Yeah. So in the bulletin, we don't necessarily look directly at sectors. We do bundles of occupations. So they could be people that can be employed across different sectors. So the first one that I'd mention would be ICT occupations. And obviously, yep. you know, there would have been issues with recruitment freezes and some layoffs for some of the larger IT firms. Yep. But these IT occupations actually grew and were at their highest level in the last quarter. So, you know, we're not seeing a drop off in numbers and their demand across. So not just the likes of Google, they're Programmers, software developers would be the largest group here and they'd be required across all sectors. So they would be certainly one of the main ones. Now, I would say employment levels won't be growing at the level they have been, but I think that demand will exist there for quite some time. So apart from software developers, you'd have IT project managers, IT analysts and engineers there. But the other kind of three that I was kind of picked out would have been science and engineering. Yep. The health sector and construction, I think those three would, are going to be the ones that we're going to hear most talk about. Sure. In terms of the future, technology and 
green skills, green transitions are what's being talked about the most across Ireland, Europe, internationally. We see the World Economic Forum coming out with a lot, you know, and obviously AI gets mentioned as significant amount. But what we're looking at is how we adapt our workforce so that we're working alongside technology. And also, again, the green transition, we're going to see construction, renewable energies is what's being talked about most at the moment, but it's really going to touch every occupation. You know, you see, particularly in finance, there's a lot more happening there in terms of sustainable finance, but we're going to see it transport the EV vehicles. You know, it's really going to touch, continue to impact on skills across the board, I think. Sure. And, you know, certainly it's clear that we're seeing demand on the ground you know, increase for occupations in those areas. But what recruitment challenges do you believe businesses are facing today when it comes to skills shortages? I don't think there's one thing that fits all. I think it's very different depending on the sector and the size of the firm. I think the size of the firm is a really big one because, you know, if you're a large company employing 250,000 or more, people than or 250 people or more, you know, you have more leeway in terms of looking for somebody who's got very specific skills or that you can bring in a graduate and train up because you've got a team of people that would be available to train them up. If you're in an SME, which is the bulk of the employment in Ireland, you know, you need somebody with a much wider skill set who already has that experience and the ability to train up graduates it can be quite difficult. It can be a challenge for SMEs. I don't think we can look at one thing. You know, we can look at the, the graduate pool, mm-hmm. which is, is very healthy. But again, it's, you know, you can't train people up to specifically meet labor market needs at all times because it needs to have a wider focus as well. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned a few times, I think, the attractiveness of the job is going to be a big issue, you know, the particularly in lower skilled jobs. When the supply is small, you're going to find people less willing to do yes, the less attractive yeah, jobs. <laughs> yeah, and we are seeing that for sure. But I mean, you mentioned about SMEs finding it harder. You know, maybe they don't have the the ability, the resources to train graduates. I mean, just on that point, how can businesses work with you know, kind of maybe education and training providers to maybe enhance the opportunities for upskilling and reskilling for SMEs? What are the most important things that need to happen there? There needs to be conversations, I think. And I think that's the thing is there's lots of short courses out there that can be tailored. So you've got the likes of Skillnet, you have skills to advance in Solace, even springboard courses or maybe a year course that are in very much kind of in-demand skills at the moment. So there's plenty of opportunity there for for SMEs, et cetera, to kind of link in with education training providers, make sure that the skills that they need are being captured in this kind of training provision. In the shorter, you know, the kind of micro-credential space is kind of a good fit for that, I think. No, and we're actually, um, we're involved with DRSF and the SFA in putting on a webinar, actually, uh, with Solace and Skills to Advance to help signpost businesses to the availability of fully funded, you know, further education opportunities that they can avail of for their staff, which I think is widely not really fully understood by businesses about how to maybe access and tap into, tap into these training opportunities. 
Yeah, and I think the regional skills for is across the country are, are the place to go to for that conduit between employers and education training providers because right. you know you don't have the time as a business owner to be looking to see what's available. So having that resource to know that that resource is available where they can link in with you and find what you need, I think it's untapped at the moment uh, to a large extent. Yeah, so that's probably the message to businesses is to you know, reach out to their local regional skills forum and kind of log on to regionalskills.ie to find out where to go on that one. But but certainly, yeah, it's a great resource for businesses that I think could probably be exploited a bit more potentially. But still on the subject of skills, Joan, what we're seeing and what's gaining more traction now, not just in Ireland, but but internationally, is this idea of skills-first hiring. And I know there was a recent kind of LinkedIn skills first report. And we've heard Sue Duke, the CEO of LinkedIn Ireland, talk about the benefits of, for employers of shifting from a traditional recruitment approach, which is all about, have you held the job title before? Or what college have you gone to? Or what degree do you have? And they were kind of the three parameters to determine your suitability for a job. And moving from that approach to this skills first approach, which is do you have the skills to do this job? And it doesn't really matter how you acquired those skills. And the idea behind this, certainly LinkedIn's research, is showing that this dramatically increases, exponentially in some cases, increases the talent pool, the size of the talent pool that is available to employers if they adopt this kind of skills-first approach. And I'd just love to get your thoughts on that, Joan, from a skills perspective. Well, I, I think that's certainly the way things are going for some of the sectors we've been talking about. And, you know, you can see, I know, again, the World Economic Forum have a new taxonomy that they're bringing out that will look into yeah. that and how, yeah. you know, the different the knowledge, the technical skills, I, you know, and particularly with technology, it's something that we can match up a little bit easier. LinkedIn is a particularly good site for that because people put in what their skills are. So it's an easy way of accessing particular skills. Again, it's probably there's certain sectors that that's going to be more suitable for, possibly not for the likes of the health sector, where you definitely want your surgeon to have qualified in a certain um, sure. um, education provider. But I think there's plenty of scope for it. The issue for us as reporting on it is quite difficult and how to translate that into the education training providers. Again, we're a step away from that. Everything that we look at is at occupational level because that's what's available. It's very hard to quantify the skills that we have in Ireland and how we go about doing that and how we can translate that into skills needs will be very, you know, yeah. it'll be tricky. Into it's, the a future, but, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. I think a taxonomy is a really good first step because at least then we're all talking the same language around skills. And just, I mean, just before we finish up, I know we talked about work permits in the skills bulletin. And we see that there were 37,000 new employment permits issued in 2022. And that's an increase of 23,000 compared to 2021. Does this mean that our, our employment permit system, in your view, is working and, and fit for purpose and, and meeting the demands generally of employers? Or do you, what's your thoughts on that? Again, it was a very big jump. A lot of the, I think nearly two thirds are for ICT and the health sector. I would see the employment permit system, um, it can be quite agile, but it also, it's a short-term fix. It works for the IT sector because 
the skills in demand are always changing at such a speed, but it's probably not the answer that we should be looking for in the long term, that, that we depend on the employment permit system to meet our skills needs. You know, it's it should be there for short term needs. You know, it's not worth investing in education training provision for this area because it'll only be for a year or two, or it's only until we get people upskilled in these areas. Yeah. You know, so it it should be as a a short term measure rather than our our long term aim. I think in yeah. solving the skills issues in Ireland to deal with un- unpredictable spikes in demand, for example. But otherwise, we should be producing our own homegrown talent and our education system should be fit for that purpose now, 100%. And we need to remember we have all of Europe to access as well Yes, without having to put an employment permit system. It's not just Ireland. You know, we have quite a very, you know, it's a very large labour supply, really, if you think of it like that. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, just as a final question, and thanks again for your time, Joan, but if you could just leave us with you know, your thoughts on just some simple steps that maybe businesses and employers can take to either bridge skills gaps or maybe overcome hiring challenges. I think that might be a good way to finish. Sure. I think number one is retention. <laughs> when supply is so low, we really need to look at how we can retain people to give them decent career paths. Again, offering the likes of well-being or flexibility I think as well, you know, upskilling and reskilling, you know, we've talked about that a little bit. You know, we need to look at can we develop our own workforce to meet our future challenges within our own firm without having to look outside. And the other thing, again, when we've such a tight labour market is to think a little bit outside the box. Like you mentioned, the unemployment pool. There's also the people who are considered, who are part-time underemployed and people outside the labour market who are available to work, but aren't uh, considered unemployed. Like that's 300,000 people in that pool. And a lot of them don't have work experience. And that seems to be a big block. So how businesses could maybe look at engaging again with education training providers to provide some sort of work experience element to training to get more people, you know, this 300,000, surely we could even 10, 20% of those, if we could access their skills would be a much bigger supply of skills and to meet some of the skills gaps that we're seeing just now. Brilliant. And look, and that's a great way to finish. Thanks so much for your time, Joan. And we really appreciate your input. And I think I'd recommend anyone to check out the National Skills Bulletin 2023 on the Solus uh, website and check out the Talent Fix podcast on Apple and Spotify. Thanks again, Joan. Really appreciate your time today. My pleasure.